Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company and so thrilled today to be joined by the wonderful Katrina Balfe to talk all about her film Belfast. And I wanted to start by talking about um, the way in which music helped you with character development, particularly on this film, because it's something that, you know, you've made playlists for other characters and really used it as an aspect and a tool for character development on a lot of projects. But with this one in particular, with the added kind of denotations in the script of what some of the songs were going to be in the final film um, and Kenneth Branagh even sending over a playlist of, of some of the music that he envisioned as well as some movie clips how did that really help you in starting to formulate your idea of who this character was well you know I, I always think anything that's sort of in that sensory world that can give you an insight into the personality of somebody it's always so important you know what somebody reads what somebody listens to and what somebody watches can tell you so much about their inner world I think um you know, and luckily Ken being an actor and sort of understanding that he sort of did a lot of groundwork for us. He was sort of like, here's some of the things that uh, are part of their world. Um, so, you know, obviously Van Morrison features very heavily and it always did from the very get go. Um, you know, that was a lot of what Ken sent him being such a son of Belfast and and so important to that time in Belfast. Um, but there was also, there was, some other lovely music, um, you know, I, I think Ken has spoken about this. The, the original script had much more music in it. Um, it had these sort of like more fantasy departures from uh, what was happening. And, you know, my character especially had one or once or twice, you know, would sort of have a moment of, of a scene and then would break into song. Um, one of those was a Scylla Black number, uh, You're My World, which uh, was such an incredible song. And Scylla Black is so, you know, I don't know anyone who grew up in, in Ireland or the UK, I mean, Scylla Black is such a part of the fabric of our lives as well, you know, all the way from the 60s right through to the 90s. Um, so that was something that was, you know, very important in just listening. And and Ken, when he spoke about his mom, he talked about how much she loved to dance and to laugh and to sing and, you know, how she had this fizzle about her, which I think is such a lovely description of somebody, you know. Um, so it was, yeah, it's, it's to me, it, it's, it's such an important thing about just putting you in the right headspace for a character. And in terms of her emotional landscape as a character as well, you've created this character that really lives and breathes so fully in every emotion that she has. And and there's also sometimes an interesting speed that develops in the way that she can traject from one emotion to another based on what the external circumstances are. are. So it was interested in how you really found that emotional landscape for her as a character and how you wanted to play that in your performance, because she is someone who can turn around and, you know, like you said, like have that real fizzle and be laughing one minute and then she could turn around to another situation and be throwing plates at her husband. Yeah, but, you know, I feel just so lucky because that's what we're all like. You know, we, we do. We live. We're not we sort of don't wake up and have one mood for one day and then the next day of another mood, you know, these things live within us and can rear their heads at any moment, given the circumstances that we're faced with. And, you know, I was lucky that this character isn't, she wasn't just this two dimensional person on the page. She already had a lot of that. Um, and I, I don't know, I just felt like I understood her from the first time I read it, but, you know, I think when you're building something like that, 
I just have to think of my mom, you know, so often, you know, you'd be in the car and she's like smiling, talking to somebody as she's giving out to you under the, you know, under your teeth. We just, we just have those, you know, I don't know whether it's an Irish mother thing. I don't think it is. I think it's like a universal thing of how we, how we present ourselves to different people in our lives, you know, who we are to our kids, who we are to our, you know, lovers, who we are to our in-laws, our, our neighbors, you know, and, and Ken just gave me all of these lovely circumstances to be able to play all of that. Um, you know, and I, I feel so grateful because she isn't just portrayed as this, you know, mother and, and, and there is that, you know, there is this kind of Boudicca kind of warrior woman thing of how she'll protect her children, but she also will clip them around the ear if they disrespect her or if they break the rules and, you know, there is this lovely element of of her and Pa's relationship, you know, the complexities of that. And some of it didn't make the final film, but, you know, there's this lovely moment that we know it was there. So I think it imbues your performance anyway. But as much as they fought also when they sent the kids to church that morning, there used to be a little scene where Buddy looks back and they're closing the curtains up in the bedroom upstairs and they're having a little, you know, moment together let's say um so you knew that you know she she had all of these things within her you know she she wasn't just this suffering wife she was a very um you know passionate involved woman in her relationship as much as she had this lovely other thing that Ken gave her was this real independent battle with her own inner fears which I loved this kind of resistance that she had to leaving didn't it didn't really have a lot to do with just her marriage and her kids she had this inner inner struggle as well which I think had a lot to do with her childhood and I loved being able to explore all of that did a lot of it with the childhood come for you with the fact that you know we look at Jamie Dornan's character as Pa and we see his parents and they're very present in the life and and yet when we look at your character we don't see that aspect of parental relationship and so to a degree did you find that the home that she's trying to cling on to and the idea that she's trying to cling on to in her family is a stability that she spent her childhood kind of longing for and trying to create for herself very much so you know I, I it's very much that I think having a stable background gives you the confidence to step out into the world and to sort of innately know that someone's going to have your back, that there'll be some sort of safety net for you to be able to fall back on. And with Ma, you know, Ken's own mother's experience was her mother died in childbirth with her. Um, and I don't think she had a lot of stability from that moment on. And her, her, there was a lot of chaos, I think, in her, in her youth. And so having this house, having this marriage and, and this place where she felt very in control and that she could understand the lay of the land, she knew what it was, she knew how to maneuver within these parameters. Um, that was where her sense of stability was. And anything beyond that, I think, just filled her with so much fear because she didn't understand it she didn't know what was on the other side and that um, sense of the unknown was so I think it was just too far for her to be able to to sort of imagine um, and and that's why you know that scene towards the end when she sort of has that awakening 
in that realization that she's putting her children's life in jeopardy, her marriage in jeopardy, all of these things that she holds so dear, she's putting all of that in jeopardy because she's holding herself back from an old fear. Um, you know, that's such a, it's such a pivotal moment for her. It's such an awakening and a realization and that, you know, to be able to have those moments as an actor is, is just, it's so great that your, your character gets to have these things. Alongside the idea of it, it being fear that's driving so much of that for her as well, did you also um, consider it as, as a facet of a grieving process for her as well? Because it feels like she's kind of primarily grieving for like everything that she knows she's potentially going to have to let go. And she's kind of already going through that emotional process even before leaving the home because her home has already become a completely different place and, and has, everything has already been shifted. And there's also that idea that if you leave and come back, it's going to be even further from, from where you left it. And so when you look towards that monologue where she has that moment of acceptance towards the end, was that in essence at all part of a grieving process for her as a character for you as well? Yeah, and I, I think it's it's that. But I also think, you know, a lot of the time when you're in situations like that, you don't really realize, you know, I always think of it like a frog in boiling water. <laughs> um, you don't realize that it, the water's boiling until it's too late. You know, you don't, you don't realize that this place is turned against you until literally you're in the middle of a riot. And I, and I think that that's, a big part of it she she you know it, it's sort of that thing that you can feel the pressure you can feel all these things mounting around you but you just don't want to believe it you know and I think that that's what a lot of people faced in in those times is that yes they knew that the streets were becoming more dangerous that kids were getting killed around the corner but to to wrap your head around knowing that your town your streets your place your people that this is happening in front of you. I think it's it's a very hard thing for people to be able to actually acknowledge, you know, and, and you know, or to grieve. And I think that's part and parcel, right? You can only really grieve something when you accept it. Um, so I think, you know, it is, I think that that moment when she starts to actually accept what's happening is is sort of that grieving moment as well, for sure. I also wanted to talk about your performance in that particular moment when you're delivering that monologue, because with the fact the camera was so close up, it didn't allow you to be able to play off of any scene partners in, and you had to deliver that by yourself. And obviously so much for a performance and particularly for an emotional moment like that is very often about feeding, feeding off of your scene partner and what that connectivity is. And so how did you have to find your performance from, from a completely different space for that moment? Well, I mean, that was probably the most terrifying thing about it when Ken was like, look, we, we can't get the eyeline. I want to shoot it like right up close. Um, you know, are you happy enough to do it without them here? And I, I just immediately filled me with panic and fear because I, I am somebody, I, I am the kind of actor that really relies on what I get from my lovely co-stars. Um, you know, some people are very technical actors and they can act to a post-it, you know, all the time, but that's just not sort of in my comfort zone, I suppose. Um, so once I got over my terror, <laughs> um, you know, I realized, well, Ken was going to be on the other side of that camera and he was going to guide me. And, you know, what Ken is always looking for is just simplicity and truth. And I just knew that if I could give that, then, you know, we would get something, um, and I think 
you know, that all that sort of fear and vulnerability and, and all of that, you know, I also was like, well, let's use this terror that I'm feeling right now. <laughs> let's put it somewhere to use. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, for me, it's, it's never, it's funny. I, I, I never, I, I never loved those moments of, of, of sort of when you, your eyeline is blocked and you can't just have a natural moment because I think obviously the give and take between two people is, is such a, it's such a key to accessing things within you, at least for me. But, um, but sometimes the job requires, you to sort of just find it somewhere and, and you do you just have to do it and you were mentioning there you know ken really looking for that that those moments of, of simplicity within a performance and it also sounds like he really kind of pushed you towards a place of finding stillness within your character and within your performance as well um and so how did you find a lot of emotional power and, and a lot of the emotional beats within your character in kind of almost playing against the grain of the emotion and playing to those more still moments well, actually, you know, I think when you stop trying to, you know, the worst thing you can ever do is try and, and reach something, you know, I think if you, if you allow yourself to just simply say the words, feel the words, then things come up that you're not expecting. And um, that's genuine, generally the most honest you'll ever be. And it's generally the most interesting your work will ever be because you're not, you're not trying to, you know, search for a result. Um, and, you know, that's, that's something that I, I try to do as an actor, you know, forget about what the, you know, the worst thing you can ever come across in a script is like, and then she cries, you know, because, you know, if you're trying to cry or if you're trying to do something, you're forcing something. And, and I, I just, as an actor, I'm not interested in trying to, you know, squeeze out a tear, you know, these things, they come if they come. And if they don't, you know, I think our job is to feel something and you can communicate that feeling. Um, and there are a million ways to feel sad without a tear ever, you know, approach, you know, showing up on your face. So um, I think, you know, the beauty of working with someone like Ken as well is that that's what he's looking for. He just wants you to, to be, you know, and that's it sounds very simple, but sometimes that's the hardest thing is to just be and to just feel something really honestly. Yeah. I also wanted to ask about some of the improv that he had you and the rest of the cast do, because I thought it sounded really great that some of that improv wasn't about improv within the scene, but improv leading you into the moment of the scene. And, you know, like there was one moment where it was about helping Jude Hill with his performance and getting to an emotional space. But were there other moments that you had the opportunity to kind of improv into a scene and into an emotional beat that actually helped you in terms of your performance and finding certain moments as well? Yeah, you know, we ended up doing quite a lot of improv on this. Um, and I think sometimes it would be Ken wanted a scene to continue. Um, just to, I think quite a few times, you know, when I was on the phone with Pa, um, that would actually be me talking to Ken on the other side of the camera and we would be riffing back and forth. And we had a really funny one. And, it, you know, I felt it felt like the take went on for about five to 10 minutes and, him and I just going back and forth about me trying to get it to come over to, to London or to see Pan or about him coming back and why he couldn't come back or why she should go. Um, 
And I think, you know, it was leading into sort of the breakdown at the phone or, uh, you know, I think some of the moments ended up in the film, but it's lovely having that freedom, you know, and it's also lovely feeling like, you know, the character well enough that no matter what kind of scenario is proposed to you, you sort of know what she would say, um, or you feel like, you know, what she would say, but I also, um, the scene also with myself and Judy Dench, uh, inside her house where we talk about what had happened the night before. And, um, you know, it, it sort of leads into that scene with, uh, pop and pa in buddy in the backyard. Um, a lot of that was improv and that was so lovely. I mean, just getting the opportunity to sort of sit with Judy Dench and improv and, it just felt, but it, but it, again, it felt very natural. I think Ken had given us this such a such a fully formed character on the page that we we sort of were able to take them anywhere after that because you sort of knew what they would think of things or what was going on in their heads, and it um, yeah, it was it was a lovely it was a lovely opportunity to to do that. I think one of the things as well that really resonates with a lot of people with the film is that even, you know, when you look at the subject matter on the page, the feeling that you have coming out of the film isn't that. It really does capture that hopefulness and there's a lot of light moments as well. And I really love those scenes where we get to see the family just kind of in those day-to-day -day moments, like sitting in the park while the kids are doing long jump and jumping into a sandpit. Um, and did that really help you in terms of just envisioning a lot of the everyday and in really finding those moments outside of kind of the central conflict that we're all so seeing alongside that yeah you know those I'm trying to remember when when in the sort of you know schedule of filming we filmed those I think you know Ken did these great things where we didn't have a huge amount of rehearsal time and we had all these COVID restrictions but we definitely one of the early days we had a game of rounders with everybody with casting crew and um we filmed those funny kind of like basketball playing scenes and the the long jump scenes and all of that and and you know all of those things you never know where it's going to fit into the script or where it's going to fit into the film but it especially with the kids you know we all sort of bonded and it strengthened those bonds each time you do something like that and you know mucking about with with the kids sort of playing basketball and uh Jamie me sort of being like here let me show you how it's done and I'm missing completely <laughs> um you know it's it's just fantastic exercises in everybody letting their guard down and everybody you know naturally assuming certain roles um which we sort of ended up sliding into very easily um yeah I mean he's Ken's very smart man you know I don't think anything was really done by chance really when you think about it but we were so stupid we weren't realizing what was happening at the time <laughs> and when it comes to the relationship between Ma and Pa you know there's kind of this constant recalibration between the two of them and you were you were mentioning earlier that that scene you know that didn't make it into the film but you know we see the curtains closing upstairs and and there's a lot of instances where they have opposing ideas of what they should do as a family, and yet their their reasons and their motivations are always the same. Um, and was it important to you that that kind of be a central core of that connectivity and kind of like the, the recalibration that they always come back to with one another? Yeah, well, you know, I think I think Ken sort of spoke about his parents in the way that they had fire, 
you know, and that fire would sometimes be a fight, but that fire would also sometimes be like passion, you know? Um, and I think that that was something lovely. And, you know, you got that with, with the dancing in the street and, you know, the sort of the humor that they had. And, you know, I think with Jamie and I, we have a similar approach to our work. We sort of, you know, organically showed up thinking in very similar terms about where these people were. And I don't think we ever questioned that, you know, underneath it all, they really loved each other. And underneath it all, they really wanted to make it work. It's just life is really hard. And, you know, the stresses of life, be they the finances, be they separation, or be it, you know, civil unrest outside your door, these things cause a real strain on a marriage. But, you know, a row, throwing plates, it's not fatal. <laughs> you know, sometimes that's just part and parcel of getting through the day. <laughs> um, and I, I think that was it was lovely to be able to sort of allow them to express their frustrations and allow them to express their fears but you know sort of underlying that you knew that there was a lot of love there and that and that you know the love for these kids and and the fact that they really just wanted these kids to be safe and to be happy and and to do right by them that that was their sort of primary objective and obviously one of the moments where that really comes across is the musical performance towards the end of the film where we really feel that sense of connectivity, you know, that, that really expands upon everything that we've seen so far between the two of them. And I wanted to ask a little bit about working with Aletta Collins, who was the choreographer for that scene and and how you, Aletta and Jamie, really worked on a scene that tells us so much about character. It's not just about having a music performance and some great choreography between the two of them. There's even kind of your character's response in that moment when he first is up on stage of like oh yeah he's here to sing a song and then that shift that your character has in your performance when it's like oh this is for me and this is about us having a connective moment even though we're in a room full of other people and so how did the three of you really collaborate to make sure that every kind of expression and moment and even the movement of the choreography was always about the different emotional trajectories and beats within that scene you know i mean first of all a letter uh she has the patience of a saint. <laughs> um, you know, I think uh, her working with Jamie and I probably tested her more than any other job of, in her life. But, uh, you know, it was wonderful. She's she's amazing. And, you know, I think from the offset, it was all about finding, you know, what would two people who love to dance but aren't professional dancers, like, what would they do? Like, where... Where would where is the world that they would live within in terms of how much choreography we do, how polished it looks? Also, what are Jamie and I capable of? Um, but that story that we're telling in that scene is so important. And it's, you know, I love that moment. I love the moment that he starts singing and, you know, you sort of feel Ma rolling her eyes. And then as she's standing there and watching him and it's a full declaration of love that he's giving her. And, you know, Jamie is just the most charming and charismatic guy. So for him to sort of be up there and like belting out this song in that way, it, you know, you can't help but be sort of won over. And that's for Ma, you know, she's just standing there and 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 looking at this, this lovable rogue of her husband and just, you know, she she can't stay annoyed at him she can't stay you know frustrated by his antics you know no matter what tax man he's dodged or whatever 
she knows that at, at his core, he's a real man of his word and, and he loves her. And that, that's what's important. And so finding those those little choreography moments where it's initially it's him sort of declaring and he's doing all the work and she sort of stands there and is like the passive one absorbing it to then switching it and they sort of walk around each other. And then you, you get that moment where she shoots the bow into his heart and you realize that she's answered him you know she's like okay I'll give you my love back um that's really special and then you know that moment where he lifts her up and spins her around it's just such a romantic uh romantic moment and and you know the way it was lit and everything it was just it's really special and I also lastly wanted to ask about, you know, you, you've ex, you've expressed an interest in, in directing in the future and kind of with everything that you've been talking about and the way that you speak about working with a filmmaker like Kenneth Branagh, you know, and the way that he, he kind of like puts the work in for his actors, is really meticulous about the details and always has an eye for what he wants, but then is able to create that space of, of freedom and play. How does that kind of make you think about who you potentially want to be as a director when you eventually step behind the camera and what were some of the the details that you really took away for yourself in the experience of working with him in that regard? I mean, talk about learning lessons. Uh, you, you would hope one day to have an ounce of his brilliance, but uh, no, I just, what you know, yeah. You know, first of all, Ken also was the most encouraging and talked to me at length about his process and, you know, his, his journey and his experiences and um, has been only incredibly encouraging to me. But there is exactly, as you said, you know, I think, and I see this myself as an actor on a long running TV show where we have so many directors come through the door. Um, you can only really have true freedom when you have meticulous planning um and that's and that's so you've planned for every eventuality but you're you because everything's planned then you can go off book you know then you can kind of like play and try things because everything has been sort of thought of and that's one of the things Ken does you know there was never a day where we were like racing for time or up against the wire it was the most relaxed shoot I think I have ever been on um and that's because he puts in his homework and he he sort of knows exactly what he wants out of the day. And, you know, everything was sort of planned, but it never felt constrained. I don't know. It's a very weird thing he was able to do. It's sort of, you know, even to, you know, the fact that within scenes, he knew that he wanted to do like there's that beautiful scene where um, Jamie's character, Pa, thanks Ma for raising the boys, which is one of the scenes that just absolutely breaks me. Um, and Ken knew that he wanted the camera to encompass all four of us, you know, Buddy and Will in the foreground, and then Pa and Ma in the background having this really important conversation. And so there was, you know, quite a narrow frame for all of us to sort of exist within. But weirdly, Jamie and I still had this freedom to kind of find our moments and find our beats. And it, it, it's, it's, I don't know, it's, it's a very interesting way that he was able to manage to sort of be very specific, but also allow, allow for a freedom within that as well. I don't know. That's a sign of a great director. Yeah. Well, also really fantastic performances. I really, really love your performance in this film and everything that you brought to this character. So thank you so much for talking all about it. Appreciate your oh time. My God. Thank you so much for having me.